local news, culture, and NPR. Hello, 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 and welcome to The Local Edition on Radio Catskill, your NPR station for the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. In the second half of the show, we'll be checking in with the Black Library, who has a fashion show coming up this week. But first, it's Friday on The Local Edition, and every Friday we check in with the one and only Chris Rowley from the Schwankrupp Journal. Chris, welcome back to the program. Again, we have to talk about this week, the the financial downfall, I should say, of, of the village of Ellenville. They're in this huge deficit. What can you tell us? What What's the latest update on this? As um, the brand new mayor said at the first meeting of the year, village board meeting, uh, this is an existential crisis for the village, and it truly is. If they run out of money, they can't pay they're going to do payroll, and that would be it. Uh, I don't know. No one really knows what happens then, and nobody really wants to know or experience it. But anyway, um, so this week was um, really on what's that good phrase? On tenterhooks, uh, which is a phrase out of out of the old cloth trade from the uh, 18th century, I think. Anyway, um, basically, um, the question was whether the village could get uh, this hundred and seventy-eight thousand dollars of ARPA money, that's the Rescue, American Rescue Act money, that was left in Ulster County's coffers, um, which required a vote by Ulster County legislators to give Allenville that money. And you could see that there could be questions like, why should we give Allenville that money? Well, the alternative might be that Allenville will go broke, which, let's be clear, is that would be vastly more expensive for Ulster County than $178,000. <laughs> So, but anyway, it does take political power and will and effort and capital. And the really hats off here to John Gavaris, who is the the legislator for the 15th district in Ulster County, which includes Allenville. Uh, he put in a Trojan's work and managed to talk to nearly all the county legislators on the phone and uh, really worked. I mean, it's like the Nancy Pelosi Award. If you know how Nancy Pelosi operated, the phone was in her hand for 23 hours a day. <laughs> And that's how John worked, really. He really did a job, and he got a vote of 18 to 4 in favor of giving Ellenville that money. The four no's were, of course, all Republicans. And uh, it was a little disappointing that one of our local representatives, Craig Lopez, who represents the 14th district, which is an odd one that's, that includes Wawarsing on one side of the ridge and Shongam on the other side of the ridge, he voted no. But you know, I'm sure he has his political reasons. Anyway, it was, a, in, in a way, it was a triumph for, for artisanal, down and dirty, hefty politics, really working hard on everybody to get that vote. And now, Emmerville has a chance of making it through to either securing a loan from M&T Bank or getting to the process by which they will have a mandatory referendum and take maybe half a million from the remaining 1.2 million or 1.1 million, I'm not exactly sure, of the what's called the mountain money, which is the money they received from Open Space Institute, etc., back in 1997, which they've had to raid before for very similar situations. Meanwhile, um, uh, they have 
dropped the village member, paid one, he's gone. And instead, uh, Elliot Auerbach, another Trojan worker in the village, um, who has stepped in at a, a princely salary of $1. <laughs> hey, Elliot, that's great. He stepped in. He's a retiree now, but his most recent gig was as a deputy troller at the office, the state office of control, controller's office. Anyway, and he's a previous village manager and he knows all the ropes. So he's in there and they're just trying to get together, I think, their final AUD to give to the um, finance, uh, what is it, finance review, finance, it's the FRB anyway, there's a board that they will come up before in the summer. So here's how it goes. Ellenville has got just enough to get to this next thing where they will get just enough to carry on through to the end of the year, which is June for them, and then we'll be able to sit for this FRB review, and that could get them up to five million state funds. And if they do get that, then or something like that, or some part of that, then the option then is to sit down and really organize a way to get the village onto a track where it can afford to carry forward just on its tax income. And just to clear, clarify this for everybody so that they understand, um, the problem for Amazon is that its its assessed value has not kept pace, as it were, with inflation, uh, and its set value for assessment purposes was set by the state controller's office in 2019 at 3.1 million, and then a little bit more money, there's about a million or so in various revenues, but it's just not enough to run a village like that, with, which has a police force. The only other villages in Ulster County, Saugerties and uh, Newport, neither of them has police. They, they have town police that operate in the village. Ellenville, for, that, for various reasons, Ellenville and Mawarsing are not on the same page when it comes to that. Mawarsing doesn't want police, doesn't have police, and doesn't contribute to this. Of course. There is a side thing to that, of course, which is that in the event that something happens in Woolworthing and the state police are busy and there's no and there's no Ulster County Sheriff handy, Ellenville police go. It's one of those you know, slightly tricky things that's a little greasy. But anyway, um, so Ellenville has to find a way to become financial. So you know, they've got to be able to stand on their own feet, and that is going to be that's going to be difficult. Unless they can get the state controller's office to raise that limit, that's a taxable limit, which is set by state law. But the only other route to it is a kind of a revalue. And the revalue will include the Warsing because it has to be town-wide. And there's, I believe, pretty strong pressure in the Warsing not to have a revalue again. The last one was in 2016. And that revalue is one of the major reasons for Ellenville's current issues because back then, Properties in Ellenville were cheap. Uh, it, you know, it was at the end of a long period of decline. All the storefronts are empty, blah, blah, blah. And so the assessed value of the entire village went down. A lot of people's taxes went down, which was greeted with joy because they were being overtaxed beforehand. But when the, when the overall value of the village went down, the taxable levy limit went down. And so immediately the village had to let a lot of people go. It began, it began to basically go on this sort of starvation diet and uh, it hasn't been able to do anything since. Uh, then came 2019 with that second blow from the state controller's office pushing, it, pushing their taxable limit to 3.1 million, which in the words of the previous uh, village manager, you just can't run this village on that kind of money. Anyway, there you've got that problem. 
and that has all to be seen. But if the revaluation would probably lower the taxes in Wawasing, you hear me, Wawasing? Lower your taxes, whereas they went up with the last reval, which is one of the reasons why no one in Wawasing wants a reval. But if they were lowered in Wawasing, they would go up in the village, which the village people wouldn't like that, but it would give the village as an administrative unit more room to tax, and therefore they could get over that line and get out of the red, get into the black, perhaps. You know, that's something to be seen. Anyway, that, those are the kind of the roots out of this uh, crippling situation. The alternative is some drastic reduction in police. Um, and I don't know, at this stage, people talk about things and throw things out and around, and, and mostly it's nonsense. The idea that Ulster County sheriffs will come in and do it um, and we not have a police department in Ellensville, okay, that could happen. But right now we just have one sheriff we're sitting out in a substation at the airport, a long way away from the village, and a long way away, well, not really, actually. I mean, if they got out and they ran across and waded across the Fantine Kill, they could get to the school quickly. But other than that, they've got to drive up and get on to a nine and go down uh, Canal Street and then swing across to get to the school in the event that there's some horror at the school, which is something that the Ellenville police are holding down on. They have their timing down to anything that happens at the Ellenville schools, they're there in less than a minute. So that's always been a security blanket for parents and everything else. Thank you so much, Chris, for that. We'll talk to Chris again next week. Coming up for you is the Black Library. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. Hey, it's Steve Inskeep. And I'm Aisha Roscoe. One of the things you can count on from NPR and this station, we've got your back. When it comes to reporting the news, bringing you facts you can count on. You can help by donating a vehicle you no longer need. That car could be worth hundreds of dollars in support or more as a donation. Think about it. We accept any vehicle, running or not, including cars, trucks, boats, RVs, motorcycles, and more. Donate at WJFFRadio.org. Sullivan County has two warming centers that are open to all every night this winter. The Liberty Shelter is located at the United Methodist Church on North Main Street, and the Monticello Shelter is located at St. John's Episcopal Church on St. John Street. These shelters are open for anyone from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. every night through Saturday, April 15th. More information at SullivanNY.us. And keep listening for winter weather updates on Radio Catskill. Welcome back to the local edition on Radio Catskill, your NPR station for the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. Tomorrow, the Black Library is having a fashion show. The Black Library is a creative space in the village of Monticello dedicated to honoring and celebrating black history and culture. This fashion show will spotlight the unique creations of local designers brought to life on the runway by local models. 
The designers will be raffling off select items from the showcase, with proceeds directly supporting the Black Library. Doug Schneider, one of the co-founders of the Black Library, joined Tim Bruno earlier this week on Radio Chatskill to learn more about this event. Yeah, um, so the Black Library is a library and community art space uh, in Monticello, New York. Um, we're focused on celebrating and educating on black history and culture. Um, and we just we do so by providing the community with a ton of different workshops, from educational workshops. Uh, we did an agriculture weekend teaching people about sustainability and how to start their own garden. Um, both myself and my other co-founder, we're both artists, so we do a lot of art-focused programming. Um, we have an artist residency program right now. We just moved in uh, five students from Monticello High School to be uh, residents. It's their, their first time having their own independent studio space. Um, and, yeah, we have about 900 books in our collection. Um, I mean, we, we, we try and do as much as possible for the community. So known for, you know, having a lot of books, a library, an art space. How did you land on deciding to have a fashion show? Well, um, really, since we opened in August, um, we've had a couple designers who, who have been in the space virtually every single day designing clothes. Um, we had our first um, first art exhibit, our first group show for the first set of set of residents that we had. And um, around when we were doing that, the idea came up that uh, we should have something for the the non-resident artists who were all working on clothes and, uh, you know, show off the designs that they were making in a fashion show. Um, so it's kind of what birthed the idea was, was the artists talking um talking amongst, the, amongst themselves about having a fashion show and, and kind of bringing the idea to, to Michael and I. And and how did you decide uh, which designers to work with? Were they just to happen organically? They were the folks that were there already working? Yeah, so we, we have a couple of artists, um, Darius Rogers, um, Eli Rivera, and uh, uh, Malik Bridges. Um, they've been in the space every day working on clothes, especially uh, uh, Darius and, and Eli are both they both have their own clothing uh, brand and they they've been working on clothes specifically for um basically since we opened and, and Malik kind of got inspired by um all the things happening in the space and then he started working on clothes as well um so those three were in the space the whole time working on clothes and then we have um three other local designers um that you know we just uh we personally know or like heard about the show and wanted to participate. Um, and they're all from Sullivan County. Um, so it's Samantha Monroy, uh, uh, Tyron Walker and, and Dara Perlman. Um, and then I, myself, I customize shoes. So I'm going to be showing a couple, a couple of my customized sneakers in there too. Um, but yeah, we try and, you know, uplift the local community as much as possible. Um, we might also have another designer who's from New Paltz, which is, you know, semi-local, but he's always in the space, uh, supporting us. He, he comes, as much as he can. Um, so he might also be displaying stuff. And then we kind of just put out a call out for models and, um, pretty much all of them are local. I think some are from Middletown as well, but I kind of still consider that local, but, um, yeah, we try and keep things as local as possible, really show off what, what our community can do. And, and, um, you know, it kind of, it feels like over the last, well, ever since I was born that, um, we don't really have things like this and maybe people don't believe that 
we can do things like this. So we're just trying to show people all of the local talent that we have in Monticello, in Sullivan County, a little bit outside of Sullivan County, and, and really just show everybody, like, hey, we do these things, we're good at these things, and, and give people the platform to do it, you know? Yeah. I we're, I think some folks might be surprised to learn that there are so many designers in Sullivan County. Were you surprised? I mean, I know there are a few folks that were there working with you, but when you put the call out, they, this is like a, a, a large group of folks. Yeah, honestly, I mean, we we kind of knew about all, all of the... Um, all the designers that we have here. Um, I don't know. It doesn't really come as too much of a surprise. I feel like, you know, Sullivan County really is like a, like an art haven. It's just kind of a little bit under wraps, you know, yeah. I feel like uh, it, it, I feel like there's a lot of artists, a lot of people doing cool stuff, maybe like fiber works or painters or, you know, at the list goes on sculptors, um, I feel like it's just like a little bit low key and we just need like a platform to get these people to jump off of and, and really, you know, um, really find a little bit more success, get highlighted a little bit more so that people can know what's going on here. Yeah. Promote them more and let folks know you guys are doing a great job of yeah. promoting the, not only the fashion show, but the designers in the fashion show on your Instagram, the Black Library NY. I'm looking at, uh, the post that is about Darius. Darius is a 24 year old upstate native, 24, uh, and already yeah. has started his own clothing company. Can you talk a little bit about Darius and his work? Yeah. So he does, um, he does some streetwear, but he also, learned how to um how to crochet from his grandmother so he makes like the um if you look on the instagram post he's wearing a crocheted like ski mask yeah um, balaclava. um so he does all of those by hand um makes the mask by hand and makes other garments by hand um crocheting um and then he does a lot of uh like dtf printing on like sweaters um sweatpants uh t-shirts hoodies things like that yeah, I'm looking at the, the crochet work. Uh, it's great to know that he learned that from his grandmother. He says that, uh, yeah. his creation journey was inspired by hip hop influencers, fashion designers, and growing up around fashionable people. So I imagine that might be grandma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then also, uh, just, uh, some other folks on the, the page, uh, Dara Perlman, uh, she is the, uh, creator of sustainably slaying, uh, also mm-hmm. based in Sullivan County. Can you talk a little bit about Dara's work? Yeah. Um, so a lot of what she does, she'll like go thrift or like find stuff on Depop and she will, she'll like take two different shirts. Um, like there's this one really incredible piece, uh, when we did, um, we did our, our practice run on Saturday that is like a corduroy jacket. And then there's like a, a regular, um, I don't want to call it a denim jacket, but we'll just say like a regular jacket that's like a denim jacket, like that style. Um, but she'll take like the sleeves off of one and then put them on the other one and kind of mix match in that way. Um, so this jacket, it was like a regular, like green jacket. And then the one sleeve was off of the corduroy jacket. So it was like this really cool combination of, um, like texture and color. Um, and she does like a lot of things like that. Um, where she'll like take thrifted items and, and take old items and then make them in a, into new things. Like she made uh, a, a purse out of like denim pants. Um, like she does a lot of things like that. Yet another um, creator of his own company, which is uh, great to have like so many folks that have started their own companies at such a young age. Um, Tyron Walker, CEO and designer mm-hmm. of Roto Forever brand 
clothing company. Um, he's featuring a limited edition of, of uh, fashion at this fashion show on Saturday. Can you talk a little bit about this limited edition? What's it all about? Well, I mean, I don't want to give too much away, okay. but <laughs> <laughs> he's also young too. I, I believe yeah. he's um, like 25 or lower, maybe 24. Um, definitely in his early 20s. But he's um, a lot of streetwear as well. Um, you know, hoodies, sweatpants, t-shirts, um, things of that nature. Um, yeah, yeah, people will just have to show up and, and see what the limited edition work is all about. Yeah. Uh, if you're just joining us, we're talking to Douglas Schindler, one of the co-founders of the Black Library. They have a fashion show this Saturday at six at the Black Library in Monticello. One other, uh, one other designer I just wanted to mention, which is also on your Instagram, uh, the Black Library NY, uh, is, um, uh, Samantha Monroy. You mentioned her. Um, but I, I wanted to mention because she's also a fiber artist. It's great to see young folks involved with, with fiber and, and crochet and stuff that might seem as a lost art. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great, and it, it's it's kind of crazy to me that there's two artists, two designers in the show that both do crochet work. Yeah, um, with Darius and Samantha. Samantha, um, she does a lot of crochet work, uh, crocheted pants, crocheted tops, um, but she also makes jewelry. So um, she does like beaded earrings. She does um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like that that clear coating that you put on something, um, resin, like mm-hmm. she'll take like fruit slices or like insects, uh, coat them in resin and make earrings and jewelry out of them, uh, beaded bracelets, beaded necklaces, um, a bunch of stuff like that. Um, and she also does a lot of tie dye work. So she'll, she'll, um, similar to Dara, find stuff in thrift stores and, and, uh, older clothing that she might have or other people might have. And then she'll, uh, upcycle it and, and turn it, make it into something new. And you're also not only focusing on local designers, but local models. Uh, did you find a good a selection of models in the area as well? Yeah, we got a, a pretty decent amount of, of models. Um, uh, I can't put an exact number on it, but every every time we have our, our practice, I'm like surprised that we had uh, had gotten so many models. Um, yeah, and they're they're all all from Sullivan County, with the exception of a couple people from Middletown, I believe. So just all all local models. Um, yeah, it's been it's been pretty great how how this has been turning out. Yeah. You know, looking back over this last year, um, since you guys were established in your new space, can you share some of the highlights of the Black Library's programming or some of the events or initiatives that's that stood out to you over the last year? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, so definitely the agriculture weekend, um, you know, teaching people about gardening, um, teaching people about the different foods that, that can be grown up here, how to grow them, um, having them walk away with their own plants. Uh, to put in the ground their own seeds to put in the ground. Um, that was a, a really amazing experience. I learned a lot as well. Um, <laughs> so it was a, a really good, really, really, really great workshop. Um, definitely the um, our our first group show with the with the resident artists uh, turned out incredible. I mean, there were so many people showed up to support that uh, that exhibit, and I, I mean, like we couldn't have asked for anything more when it came to, to that, uh, that exhibit. Um, I mean, there had to be at least like 150 to 200 people total who just 
showed up throughout the night. Um, probably like 70 people or so in there, uh, consistently. Um, our open mics are always great. Um, most of the time we get at least 60 people in attendance and, and get a lot of people performing at the open mic as well. So those, those generally turn out really well. Um, kind of like always proud of how our open mics go. Um, and then definitely all of the, uh, the financial workshops we're doing, um, we're, we're gearing up to do a couple financial literacy workshops in March. Um, and then we're working on, uh, solidifying our next live music performance in March as well. And that'll be our third live music show. Um, and our first two live music performances both went really well. Also, our first one was with, uh, Nyjah Chanel, who's a, a local, um, R&B singer. And then our second live show was actually a group of kids that, um, I went to school with at, at SUNY Purchase. Um, and that show went excellently as well. So can't wait for this third show. Um, the, the artist. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say the, the artist in residency program, um, the impact yeah. that it's had on local artists. Can you talk a little bit about that and some of the feedback you've heard? Yeah. I mean, all the, um, so we had four artists for our first group. Uh, three of them were from Monticello. One of them was from Beacon. Um, and I mean, the feedback from them was like really incredible. Um, because it's, it's really difficult, especially as like a, a an emerging artist to, find space or have the money to, to buy a studio space or rent a studio space. Um, a lot of people don't really have room in their house to paint, or maybe somebody works with oil paint and, and uh, ventilation is a problem in their house. Um, so just, you know, just them having a, a space where they can come and create every day um, was super important to them. And it was super important to, to Michael and I uh, to have that, be a core function of the black library, giving people a space that they can uh, create in. Um, I used to live in Evergreen in Monticello and I'm an oil painter. So there was like no way for me to really paint because um, there's just no space in Evergreen. And I know that a lot of the other artists also have that issue where they just don't have space to paint and can't really afford a space to work out of. Um, but just alongside giving them a the space, we did a lot of programming that was, uh, specifically geared toward them, just professional development, how to find uh, residencies, how to figure out ways to show in galleries, uh, create those relationships with galleries, the different places to look for grants, residencies, and, and showcases. Um, we did like a grant writing workshop, or not grant writing, um, kind of like a resume artist statement, um, artist bio workshop with them, um, like an application to NIFA workshop with them. Um, and we brought in other artists that are like currently in like the city and, and working, uh, professionally as artists. We brought them in to, to talk with our artists and answer any questions that our artists had. Um, so yeah, we just, we try and do as much as possible with the artists and really develop them to try and help them succeed as artists. Um, you know, have a, have a successful art career. And uh, another way of expressing that art is through fashion. The fashion show uh, is happening on Saturday. Um, it's a ticketed event, so folks can get ticket information at uh, theblacklibraryny.com uh, or also on your Facebook page, or sorry, Instagram at theblacklibraryny. There's a link um, to get more information. And then those uh, those uh, ticket sales benefit the Black Library. Um, again, uh, Douglas Schindler from the Black Library, thank you so much for coming on. The fashion show again is Saturday at 6 in Monticello. We appreciate uh, you taking the time and appreciate what you're doing for the community. 
Thanks so much. Appreciate you for having me. And that does it for the local edition. Thank you so much to my first guest, Chris Rowley, from the Schwanker Journal. Let us know what's happening in Ellenville and Ulster County. And, of course, thank you to Tim Bruno for the interview with Doug Schneider from the Black Library. We'll be back on Monday doing this all over again. Talk to Sullivan County Government about the community services that are now available for walking. And we'll speak to your focus about opioid sediment money. That's all happening on the local edition on Monday. You can find us on social media with WJFF Radio Catskill. Find us on all the popular social media apps, Facebook, Instagram, Threads, TikTok, LinkedIn. We're there. Find our podcast at WJFF, the local edition. Again, I've been your host for this Friday evening. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. Have a good night, Lucy. Stay safe, everyone, and take care. Radio Catskill supporters include Wayne Memorial Hospital, a certified primary stroke center and a level four trauma center. Wayne Memorial now offers seven physician specialties, including urology and gastroenterology on its Honesdale, Pennsylvania campus. More information at WMH.org. And from the River Reporter newspaper, riverreporter.com. And listeners like you who donate at WJFFradio.org. WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello. You're listening to Radio Catskill.